Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My guest today is back for the third time, and if third time the charms, remains to be seen. He is the runner of Arizona Ghost Riders on YouTube. Please welcome Sam T. And this is the hundredth episode, if wow. you can believe it. Yeah, and it was the very first. Thank you. You were the very first guest on this podcast as well, so it's kind of full circle that you can come back one hundred episodes later. But you also been here, and people are still listening even after yeah. I went on, huh? I hope so. I hope so. Okay. If they listen to the whole episode, I'm not. I don't know, but I hope they do. But uh, let's. Before we go into what we're going to talk about today, because the first episode we kind of talked about, in the very first episode we were kind of talked about general outlaws and general life, sorry, gen- life in the wild west, what that was like. But what, that's, and that's kind of what you do on your channel as well, isn't it? You go more in depth on what we did in the chat episode, but let's talk about your channel for a bit. Okay. Okay. Um, well, yeah, I mean, the. The original plan for the channel was to do what I what I call overviews, which is broad information about a subject uh, in the Old West. And the reason I did that is so that later on I would have more material to get in depth on. So, for instance, I could talk about um, I could talk about Native Americans uh, in, in a general way, and then later on I could break it down into each different tribe or different warriors or chiefs in those tribes, those kinds of things. Um, and quite frankly, I haven't done that yet, but uh, that's the plan. So yeah, you, you start off with, uh, that's how I'm doing it. Start off with a broad topic, narrow it down, you know? And this is a, this is a collaboration, isn't it? So in this episode, we're going to talk about outlaws and some who mysteriously disappeared and never was never heard from again. And among others, and what are you going to do about the, on your channel when this episode comes? Um, out? Well, the, I, I actually pretty much you just you just mapped it out. That's kind of what I'm going to talk about is is outlaws, lesser known outlaws, and of course, you know, very famous outlaws that all of a sudden just um, seem to have vanished from the books. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, where did they go? How did they die? Did they die? Well, of course they died at some point, but did they die back then when they said they were supposed to have died? Those kinds of things. Now, I've talked about that kind of thing before with people like Jesse James and Billy the Kid. Were they really, in fact, buried in their graves? Those kinds of things. But what I wanted to touch on was some of the lesser known gunfighters and outlaws that were part of their gangs. Um, Maybe they had their own gangs that just disappeared. All of a sudden, they got released from prison. They escaped, and nobody's heard from them again. Why is that? How does that happen? You know. So, who do you want to start with? Who do you want to start <clears throat> and open up this podcast well, with? Because interestingly, 
So let's let's go to a gang. I was I was looking this up after the Billy the Kid thing I did a few months ago, and I realized there were so many gangs that were involved with the Billy the Kid fracas. Uh, one of those was the Jesse Evans gang. Um, Jesse, the Jesse Evans gang was run by Jesse Evans, who was a, I wouldn't say he was a small time outlaw. He was mostly a wrestler. And most of those guys were wrestlers, including Billy, the kid. Um, but the Jeff, Jesse Evans gang was actually pretty big. The neat thing about that gang is that it was an offshoot of another gang that was much bigger that ran in Texas called, uh, the John Kinney gang. Um, so I guess all these guys were just, you know, floating around and, you know, they, they would maybe split off if some of the people got captured or killed and form their own group of, of uh, bad guys. Um, but the Jesse Evans gang was was evident. It They were hired by the Murphy Dolan faction. And if you know any Billy the Kid history, the Murphy Dolan faction were the ones that were against the regulators. They were the ones, they were the uh, Irish mob as it were in in lincoln i'm sure that i'll be yelled at for calling them a mob they're not a mob but they were the faction and of course the british faction was um the swing the mcsween's and all those and billy the kid um but they needed guns so the murphy dolan faction actually had hired the jesse evans gang so they'd have some gunfighters in that gang were people like pony deal and curly curly bill brocious from tombstone fame now, i'm not sure curly bill was involved at all in the billy the kid thing but he eventually was involved with that gang um and so was pony deal pony deal was a lesser known outlaw just like jesse evans who was involved with both the billy the kid thing and the tombstone thing okay corral in fact pony deal did you ever see the movie white Earp? Yeah, well, a few years ago, I think, but it's been a while. Right. Now. It's quite long, so it's not like I'm really oh, trying to go and sit in one watching. If if you were able to stay awake to the end of the movie, the very end of the movie, Kevin Costner playing White Earp is standing on the deck of this ship in Alaska. I think that, it's, it's ironic because that's kind of my favorite scene. I kind of love that scene when that kid comes out and says that was mm-hmm. my father. I think it was my right. father, yeah. So, Right, his his father or or his, or his uh, uncle. uncle or I, uh, I think it was uncle or something. Uncle, yeah. Uh, and he was talking about O'Rourke. Mm. Well, O'Rourke was actually um, that that story is not exactly true the way it was said. Uh, and actually, Pony Deal, the one I was just talking about, that was part of the Jesse Evans gang. Pony Deal was credited with killing O'Rourke uh, because O'Rourke was credited with killing or having something to do with killing Johnny Ringo who was part of the uh, Tombstone fracas. And in the movie Tombstone, Johnny Ringo was played by Michael Bean. So, you know, he's that one that Val Kilmer shoots in the against the tree, you know, if you've seen it. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah so Pony Deal is one of those that, and my friend Dan and I talk about this a lot. He was one of those that you wanted to have in your gang because he was an enforcer. And he was he was essentially an assassin. Uh, however, his loyalty only ran so far. You know what I mean? He was loyal to you, but but he would get out if the getting was getting bad. If it was getting rough, he would get the hell out of there. Um, he was smart, and he sort of stood in the shadows and uh, did his job. And then when he was done with his job, he usually went and hung out with his friends. Uh, and Jesse Evans was very much the same way. 
So those guys were probably never became famous because they never wanted to become famous. They wanted to become the ones in the shadows. So they kind of you like know, smart you know, in a way, right? They're kind they of, did, yes. We they don't did want because... too much exposure because then we would have to hide all the time and that would not be very good well for business. We got a name, but we sure, sure we would have to hide all the time and we can make as much public appearance as we would like to. Correct, right. I think that they could see the writing on the wall and instead of just sticking it out and going, oh, we're tough outlaws, we're going to stick it out. Now they said, I'm in, I'm out of here. Mm. <clears throat> and Pony Deal and I think Jesse Evans were very much that way. Pony Deal, um, we don't know what happened to him. He went to jail in New Mexico and he escaped and he was recaptured and he stayed there until about 1887. And then after that, we don't know what happened. So did he just that, go off the drain off the drains? Is that the theory? Like off the grid, he, was right. stunned, so, he was stunned with an outlaw life. He did he had his excitement and he wanted to get there the are stories life. there are there's hearsay about him being killed in a gunfight, but there's no historical documentation about it. Um same with Jesse Evans. I believe he sort of disappeared. Um Supposedly, Jesse Evans resurfaced back in like 1938 or 1940, something around there. Um, but nobody could verify if it was him or not. So what? What? it's sort of the same thing with Billy the Kid, except Billy the Kid was famous. You know, a lot that's of people quite say, good, oh, though, when you killed. manage to have this old life and you're just able to try to retire. <clears throat> if, if that was the case, that, that's quite, quite a good did I assume that you didn't get too much attention and you're just able to retire and decide that I'm out of there. Well, so that's a that's an interesting concept. Um do you retire or or do you love the the adrenaline rush? Do you love the action? Do you love the the bad boy quality of it? And do you just leave it until you get killed? Um that's the question. Um a lot of people have said, well, if Billy the Kid survived, why didn't he continue on being a wrestler? Well, exactly. <laughs> All these guys, if they if they had continued to live on, wouldn't you think you'd heard about them later on? Mm. You know, robbing a bank, stealing a horse, something like that? Or did they get killed? Or did they, in fact, somehow decide, oh, well, I'm done being an outlaw. I'm just going to quit and go open a store, you know? Mm. <laughs> I mean that makes sense though, right? Like you, you kind of want to go be off the radar, radar. Like like you said earlier, like you go find somewhere far away from where you were robbing and killing as possible, and you just live the life as quiet as you can with outside outside of the law. Sorry, inside inside the law, but you know we we have a we have a. We have an adage here in the U.S., a leopard doesn't change his spots, meaning, uh, you know, you're imprinted with that and you can't just change that easily. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not even sure if I believe that, but I can tell you some of these guys. Back then or back, right, you're talking about back then? All all the time. Yeah. You know, uh, all the time. I'm talking about back then as well. So... So let's let's look at somebody like uh, Jess. Uh, well, let's look at Billy the Kid <clears throat> or Jesse James. Jesse James. Let's look at Jesse James because Jesse James basically, after the Northfield raid, almost his entire gang was was wiped out. 
Um, he basically had to start fresh. Well, that would have been a perfect opportunity for him to quit. It's not like he needed more money. He had money. He had uh, he had places to go where people would protect him and hide him away. But he didn't do it, did he? He went and robbed more, and then eventually somebody shot him. And one of his own gang members shot him. Um, why? Did did he just not want to leave? Did he like it? I, it's been a while, so I'm a little rusty on the Wild West, to be honest with you. But it, oh. wasn't there wasn't there a reward on Billy? Or was that Jesse James? <clears throat> uh, no, I think that was Jesse James that had a reward. On both of them. Yeah. But he was yeah, the guy them. that killed Jesse James, right? He was branded a, a coward afterwards. He didn't get the reward. So was right. Was his name was Robert yeah. Ford, and he was one of his, his uh, gang members. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And he was branded a coward because he shot him in the back of the head. Just like the guy that shot, well, Bill Hickok was branded a coward because he shot him in the back of the head. Yeah, I, was, I couldn't remember if that was Billy the Kid or Jesse James. Yeah, when you mentioned it, it was. And, well, uh, yeah. Billy the Kid was not shot in the back of the head. He was shot in the front, but it was in a dark room and, mm. and Pat Garrett was sitting there with a gun trained on him. So He was branded really a coward a too, different. though, wasn't he? He didn't get as, as much recognition as he was hoping for, did he? Who's uh, Bill, Pat Garrett? Yeah. yeah. Well, he wasn't branded a coward, I think, because... He just didn't get the fame that he was hoping for, I think. Right. So the problem is, is, is that Billy the Kid was, was, you know, he was causing problems. He was wrestling. He was, he was wanted. And I think that probably a lot of people just agreed that Billy needed killing, as they say. And uh, Pat Garrett just happened to be the guy. However you lose a little bit of respect when you shoot somebody from ambush. You just do. And, yeah. and John Wesley Harden, famous gunfighter from Texas, same thing. He was shot in the back of the head in a saloon um, by a lawman, but it was uh, nobody was in court. Basically they dropped the whole thing and you know, nobody really liked Harden. Harden was a hardened, hardened killer as it were. Um, nobody really wanted him around. He, represented a, a bad time in history of Texas. And so having him killed or not having him killed, but him being killed was, was okay. <laughs> they were all right with that. That's good. Yeah. That's yeah. fine. I think yeah. same with Billy the kid to some extent, Jesse James. I don't know. I think people... he was kind of favored by the Southerners though, because he was looked yeah. as a rebel, right? He was fighting exactly. for the Northerners because they lost the civil war and it was a part of the guerrilla yeah, campaign he in was... the civil war. He was right. more or less a hero to the at least to the Southerners. I think Southerners did regard him as a certain you know a lot of them protected him. You know he had places he could go pretty much throughout Missouri and in that area that he he could be hidden away in if he needed mm-hmm. to. So once again, I say, well, why did you continue to rob trains? Why 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 did you do that? <clears throat> why didn't you just give it up? You had the money, so yeah. Mm. I read his his son did write a biography on him. I don't remember. I think it came out in the nineteen twenties or something. I don't know if you mm. read read it. Jesse James, my father, is probe. I have not read that. I should um, probably read. Yeah, absolutely. And he talking about how his he was almost arrest, arrested himself because there was a bank robbery happening at the time. And he was talking about. I think if I remember it right, it's two years ago. So I read it now. But he was talking about how he was convicted because he was the son of Jesse James, and he, there was a bank robbery, and that was, was what Jesse James 
was known for and he, how he was at the wrong place at the wrong, wrong time, I think. And, so they just assumed it was yeah. him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. was kind of, and he's, he has to have the genes in, the, in his blood, right? Because he's the spawn yeah. of evil. Yeah. <laughs> evil and he, I think he got, I think he did, I don't think he got convicted if I remember it right, but there was a whole trial about it in, in Jesse James. I thought in this book about in real life afterwards, because mm. they thought like he, his father was a famous outlaw and he has to be an outlaw himself. There was a train robbery, I don't remember when it was, but he was apparently he they thought him guilty, right? Right, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm surprised, but so, um, but yeah, that's a that's a that's a really good example, so. That's an example of, hey, your father was bad, so you must be bad mm-hmm. as well. <clears throat> you know, same. That's why I have a hard time believing that some of these people lived in obscurity and grew to old age. I just, I find that hard to believe because. Um, uh, maybe I did, but I'm going to rob that damn train. Yeah, exactly. So it's more likely that somebody like Pony Deal was shot in a gunfight or from behind mm-hmm. um, getting into trouble. Jeff Jesse Evans also. But then again, you're not wrong. It's very possible one of them said, okay, I finally made enough money stealing cows and selling them or horses and selling them or robbing banks. Now I'm going to go and buy that ranch I always wanted and change my name to Bob. You know, it's very possible that that happened. It's, it's a matter of fact, there is a rumor that Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid did not die in Bolivia. Or maybe one of them didn't die in Bolivia when it was not shot by a bunch of federales. <clears throat> There's a rumor that they, uh, Butch Cassidy at least, went back to America in the early 1900s and lived under an assumed name. Never robbed another bank or a train again. And that, in fact, but, his yeah. sister claims that they had a conversation. So, I don't know. And Wyatt we talked about him in the very first episode as well. He retired to Hollywood. He he survived. He was an outlaw and he killed. And he, and he survived into making movies in Hollywood, didn't he? Well, yeah. Wyatt Earp wasn't really known as an outlaw. He Early on, he did some things that were illegal and he got caught for them. But he wasn't really an outlaw. He was actually known for... Um, basically being a gambler and a fight uh he used to he used to judge prize fights and things like that he was an opportunist he was really looking to try to make money all the time um so he did a lot of of those jobs that he knew would earn him money running saloons running whorehouses those kinds yeah. of things he was married to pros- several prostitutes too weren't he uh he was married to one well so the the one named Maddie, um, the one that died because she overdosed on drugs because he left her and she went to Pinal, Arizona, and she was a prostitute there and she overdosed on drugs way after Wyatt Earp left the state. Um, she was his common law wife, which means that after seven years of living together, I guess they figured they were married. It's a, it must be an, a, an American thing, I guess. After seven years, you're considered. Huh. Uh, of living together you're considered uh married to mm-hmm. some extent so or you can claim that i guess so they were he was he uh had her as his common law wife so they weren't really married oh right yeah um, and then josie the josephine Earp, 
Um, I don't really know if she was a prostitute. I know she was an actress. She might have dabbled in prostitution mm -hmm. a little bit, but yeah. As far as I know, he's only really married to one of them. So we spoke with some serial heroes, uh, and we mentioned some big names. And what we would consider big names, is there anyone else you want, want to share with us here today? <clears throat> um, well, there are plenty out there, and, and I'm, I'd like to talk about it more when I do my video. But I think it's kind of interesting that so many of these guys, um, so many of these guys, there's so much mystery around their death. And mm. I think that's really because we don't want them to have died the way they did. Mm. You know, we don't want Billy the Kid to have been shot um, in a dark room. We want him to have survived and lived to tell another tale, you know. Um, Butch Cassidy, the same way. We don't want him to die on die in in another country we want him to die in a hail of gunfire in america in a gunfire in america or or maybe that's not it maybe it has nothing to do with another country maybe it has to do with the fact that we just don't want them to die yeah <laughs> i don't know you know jesse james i don't know if you knew this but jesse james um there was another guy that came out and said he was jesse james mm -hmm. and that the guy in jesse james's grave was not him so the governor uh i believe of missouri Okay, this is back in the 90s. Okayed um, digging up Jesse's body and running a DNA test and found out for sure that Jesse James in his, is in his grave. So the guy that claimed to be him is not him. Mm. And Jesse is indeed in his grave. Mm. They can't that, do that with that, Billy the Kid, though. Because Billy the Kid's body was washed away in a flood. So they don't know where he is. And speaking of Jesse James, again, I want to keep bringing up the book that about Jesse James, my father, because I, there is something that I, you know, what, what I don't remember the name. I'm poor to remember the name of names. I'm afraid, but the guy that shot him, what was what was what was his name again? Bob Ford. Bob Ford. That's it. Yeah, he. I think he wrote <laughs> that he did. He was working with his grandmother, the the kid of Jesse James. One day, he was quite young back then. And then Bob Ford, he comes along and he actually sees them and recognizes them. And he asks, I think he asks for forgiveness from his, to his mother and family, to his grandmother and his family, I think, when when he meet them. So that, and I don't remember if she did forgive him, but I think that was something he wrote, I think he wrote this that he didn't meet him later on. And that is, he asked, asked them for forgiveness for the killing his father and her son oh that's interesting no i didn't know that um i'm pretty sure i'm not i'm not certain but i think that's what happened that thing yeah was, i would imagine ago. i would imagine that uh you know she probably did forgive him you know i i, I can only imagine that but once again he's still got to live with that yeah he was shot in colorado i believe he, he Bob Ford was was yeah. also ambushed. He was shot with a shotgun in Colorado. He was a saloon keeper. He owned a saloon. I think it was in Colorado. Pretty sure, but you know, about fifteen years later, ten fifteen years later, yeah. But it seems to be a common theme, though, that people meet up Billy Chained and Major Jesse James been both been shot in not so such an heroic way. To put it that way. Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, I think that, and I think I mentioned this one of the times we talked is if you need to kill a famous outlaw, your better bet doing your, your best bet is to do it from an ambush Mm. or from behind because they're, there's a reason they're famous. You know, Mm. there's a reason that they have a reputation and you don't want to face them because you may not be good enough. So John, John Wesley Harden is a good example of that. John Wesley Harden was so good with a gun. Um, nobody wanted to face him because he practiced all the time. Um, nobody wanted to face him. So John Selman, for whatever reason he had for killing John Wesley Harden, came up behind him and shot him in the back of the head or the side of the head, something. Anyway, shot him from behind because he didn't want to take a chance. Same with Bill Hickok. Same with the Jesse James guy. Nobody wanted to kill them in a face-to-face fight. I mean, I don't blame them though. If you if they were had a if you even if you had opportunity to do a duel without I mean, either of them, you know you probably it's it's not like a million the scene in the million ways to die in the West where you can just all talk to them. Yeah, and and, uh, you shoot them with a rattlesnake. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it wouldn't be yeah. like that though. You would just oh oh fuck him. I'm just dead now. Right. You know, it's funny. You should you should mention that. Have you ever seen a a real fencing match, like well, on the Olympics? I'm aware, no, no. Well, so so watch one once, because because you're gonna think it looks like an Errol Flynn movie or a Pirates mm. of the Caribbean movie, and it's over in seconds. Mm. I believe. I mean, you, yeah. literally, like sometimes you can't even tell who stabbed who, mm. um, which changes your outlook on everything. And um, every movie you've ever seen about swashbuckling makes you think that. Same thing with gunfighting. I think these people were smart and said, um, uh, oh, I'm not going to let this guy even get a shot at me. If if I feel like he's going to threaten me or try to kill me, I'm going to just kill him. I think that's really what it was about. I don't think two people stood out in the street and had a conversation while one of them yeah. slowly inched his hand towards his gun. No, I think the other guy would have been like, that's it. You're dead. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about duels, actually, because, you know, because, you know, I want to embrace. If, I, if you were a famous shooter and I was, but we both were kind of, let's say decent shooters, both of us, and we, I challenge you to duel because we argue about cards. Let's, let's say cards that you cheated, for example. Okay. How, how would what would be even if you were better than me? Would I still have a chance to sure. to get you? Even if you were like brilliant shooter, would I yeah, absolutely. You have, you would have a chance because first of all, you have to understand that depends on the the time frame too. So let's say that that you and I are doing this, uh, and it's the eighteen sixties, early eighteen seventies. Maybe we don't have cartridge revolvers yet. Maybe mm. we still have cap and ball revolvers. You know what I mean by cap and ball is you have to load load it with powder, yeah. put it in a ball, and then put a cap on the back to ignite it all. Um, those guns were were not perfect, and they could not go off. Um, you could get what they call a chain fire, which is rare, but it could happen. There were a lot of things that could happen. You could have a misfire. Probably a lot more of that happened. So you had that chance that that person would have a misfire. But did you want to take the chance? <laughs> no. no. Yeah. You, you, if if you knew that I was cheating and I was a famous gunfighter, mm. 
and you wanted to get the, you'd probably say, you know what? I'm done. Fold your cards, reach in your pocket. Yeah. As you're walking away from the table, pull out the gun and shoot me. That's what you'd do. I want to that bring up a minute. You, yeah. you killed the famous Santee. What's that? I want to bring up a million ways to die in the West again because mm-hmm. in the, in one of the he has the bad guy Liam Neeson is having a I don't remember his name but when he is having a gunfight he is always shooting at two right he's at one two and then he shoots in the movie but would that be looked at as a cowardice if you did that in a real gunfight in the outlaw of the oh, West yeah. if you so, if you so if you shot him two like that's what you were known for he's a coward it never absolutely so. So the you're using the term dueling, um, which actually goes back a long time before the Old West. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to Europe. It goes back to Scandinavia. It goes back to everywhere where they used to use swords and men would duel each other, right? Because yeah. you've seen yeah. the movies. And they would typically have what they called a second. And a second person. So if, if I was going to duel you, I would have a second and I would name that second. You know, I name Bob as my second. Okay. So what happens is, is... If for some reason something were to happen uh, that was illegal, Bob could take over for me, you know, mm-hmm. um, or or not something something bad would happen, then Bob could take over for me. But there was also a judge there, and the judge would would say, "Look, you're gonna count to ten, whatever the case would be, right? You're gonna count to ten, turn around and fire. If you counted to five and turned around and fire, then if you missed, then I had a right to shoot you dead." Um, you're, you lost a lot of respect if you lived through it. Um, most likely your family would shame you. You know what I mean? Because cheating was, was not good. That was an act of cowardice. So it wouldn't be like this scary, like you see in a, in again, it's a comedy, but still that wouldn't be like. Well, once again, we're we're talking about the we're talking about the old west now. Dueling practice is not really around anymore. There's very little law, so ultimately, if something like that did happen, um, you would probably if you if you said one two, we'll shoot on three one two, and you shot the guy before three, um, you would probably be taken to jail, and you would go up before a judge and you would say, Hey, it was self-defense. The guy was trying to kill me. So I did the best I could. Mm-hmm. And the judge would probably let you off. So pretty much the same as today then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably <laughs> a bit like today. I don't know. But we talked about that, how some outlaws disappeared and some just shot cowardly in the back or in a dark room in this episode. Right. But where did, very many outlaws that were actually arrested and was they unless was able to escape or like you see in the movies or and how many would be hanged and actually by being caught as by bounty hunters or being just plain simply hanged when they were arrested. So it's interesting you should say that. Uh there was um a gang down in Bisbee, Arizona, which is just southeast southeast of Tombstone. Yeah, I think it's southeast. Anyway, um, and there was a, a famous event called the Bisbee Massacre in the late 1800s, late 1880s, where uh, a gang of guys, mostly cowboys and rustlers, um, decided to break into a store down there and rob the store. Now, why a store, right? That doesn't make any sense. But the store had a safe in it, and the safe is where they kept the mine payroll. 
for the payroll to pay all the miners that worked in the the mine that supported the town. Um, and they were going to rob that payroll. The trouble was, is that they, I think they had the day wrong. I think that's how that story went. They had the day wrong or there wasn't the, the mine payroll wasn't there. The problem is, is that they decided to shoot their way out of the situation and they killed a bunch of people, including, a, I believe, a pregnant woman. Um, so the uh, posse went out, caught them, and hanged them all. Um, one of them was considered to be the, the, he wasn't actually in on the actual robbery, but he was, he was the owner of a saloon where they all went to and he was their friends. So they thought he was the ringleader and they lynched him in tombstone. They lynched him from a telegraph pole before they hanged the other guys. So lovely yeah. way to die. Isn't that horrible? Yeah. But, uh, Something we didn't talk about much. We talked about the outlaw side of this, and I want to take a look at the outlaw side as well as we did a little bit now. And I don't remember if you talked about this in the very first episode because it's all two years ago now, actually. And uh, what was it like for a bounty hunter? How risky was it as being a bounty hunter as in the Wild West trying to go after the outlaws? How successful were the bounty hunters usually? So the bounty hunters, like in the games that we play and the movies we see, were not really the bounty hunters of the Old West. Bounty hunters in the Old West were not, I, I don't want to say that they walked around and just did like Clint Eastwood, where he uh, he would capture somebody and get paid for it. I think it was more of a, I think it was more, less a career and more of an opportunity to just make a little bit of money. And in some cases you made a lot of money. Um, I can't remember his name, Tom. He was a mountain man and he, he actually caught, um, a Mexican bandit who had been on a killing spree and, uh, he decapitated him and put him, put his head in a bag and sent it back to the fort and got paid for the bounty. That's probably the most, um, interesting bounty hunter story that I have. Uh, he, a lot of them did take their life in their hands because for instance, if you have to somehow fool the person, you ever watch that? Some of the American TV shows, gosh, I'm so embarrassed by some of them, but uh, like dog, the bounty hunter and those kinds of things. One episode, where they, I think. Yeah. Right. Right. One, one episode's enough. Um, they have those situations where they try to fool the person into thinking that they're not a bounty hunter, right? Oh no, I'm just here to get a cup of coffee. Oh, I'm here to deliver Hey, you just won something and here's the, here's the, here's your check. Here's your reward, you know, and then they go in and get the guy. So a lot of the times that's what they had to do in order to infiltrate these gangs or to, to win the people over enough so that they could get them. Um, So it's very dangerous because if you make one wrong move, they'll kill you, you know? So how were these bounties put up? Was it like we see in the movies and games like Red Dead Redemption 2 where they put up on the show's wall? Like, here's a bounty for $10,000 if you catch him. There you are. The money is yours. Dead or alive. And how often was this dead or alive thing case? Well, the dead or alive thing was definitely uh, real. I think most most of the time they they probably wanted you to bring him in dead. So they didn't have to spend the money to go through a trial and all that. I mean, you know, I'm not sure, but that's... Right. 
Um, but the the bigger problem was, and this is kind of a sad thing, but the idea of there being wanted posters posted all over the sheriff's office or you know on the streets that that never happened. Um, just like it doesn't happen today. I mean, here in America, you can go to a post office and you can see people who are wanted by the law, but they don't have a bounty up for them. So, <laughs> you know, it's... I mean, I wouldn't go of... after him either if I see somebody wanted. I would stay a hell away from there. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, more often than not, the people that got the bounties were the were the lawmen. Hmm. You know, you had lawmen back then that weren't just sitting behind a desk in a, in a sheriff's office. They were... Hmm. You know, they were out and about. They had to go get these people. You had Pinkertons. Pinkertons were also considered bounty hunters in some respect because they went and changed their look. Um, they would go undercover and use disguises so that they could get their man. I mean, and they collected the bounties. How how often would it be like we see in the, in the movies and again in the games like, hey, you're new here. The sheriff just quit. Here's a badge and you're the new sheriff of town. <laughs> Do you um, not care at all, or was, is that just pure Hollywood fantasy? I, I think that's mostly Hollywood. However, there is a town out here called Canyon Diablo. It's gone now. And Canyon Diablo was apparently such a rough town. They claimed that they had a sheriff that was hired in the morning and he was dead by the afternoon. He was dead by lunch. I think that's the term. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, they would go and get another marshal or sheriff. I don't know what's there is, but I'm sure it'll be a fine job. Right. <laughs> but why would you want the job? You know, if if you live in a town where all they do is kill the law, why would you why would you want the, the job? I don't know. So this was so silly, I don't I don't know, but and then and again I want to refer to media here. As we see kind of see this in the West World, how this place how it where the where the girl one of the prostitutes team up with the outlaw in I think it's one one of the first episode of Westworld. Yeah, and yeah. did this occur as well that the, the prostitute could team up with the outlaws to get some extra cash or some help, just help them out because they didn't really care. Well, I don't think that that was a practice. I think that if anything, you had people that so a lot of the unfortunately a lot of those women um, back then they were making pretty good money as prostitutes. Um, Fortunately, a lot of them were drug addicts. Um, some of them were diseased, so they got sick and died. So I, I would imagine that a lot of them probably didn't ride in outlaw gangs like the movies depict. Mm. Um, they would make more money by hiding away the outlaws. You know, there was a couple of madams in Texas that did that. And when I say hide away, they probably didn't hide them away so much as they let them frequent the business, <laughs> mm. you know, and... um it was okay if they had different names, that kind of thing. So I think it was sort of a network that was sort of, in some respects, maybe a network and brothels were involved somehow with those networks. And how, how easy was it for the, the sheriff to be corrupt? But, and was bribery a thing back then where they can bribe the... And, and again, we see this in Hollywood too, I think. It's been a while since I've seen a Western movie. I'm not ashamed to commit, but I, I confess, but did what did the two outlaws bribe that you don't turn a blind eye? We come come riding in and rob the town tomorrow. You just don't turn a blind turn a blind eye. Like it didn't happen. Yeah, I don't know how. Um, I don't think that was that common. There are a lot of outlaws 
that ended up, well, we'll go back to Billy the Kid again. Um, I can't remember his name. There was a, a guy that ended up being a lawman in Medicine Lodge, Kansas. And uh, um, Henry Brown. And he was he was a member of, I believe, Billy the Kid's gang, the regulators. But anyway, he was sort of an outlaw, but they hired him as a lawman because, you know, he was good with a gun and he knew all that stuff. However, he and his buddies decided to rob a bank and um, they got caught. Their lawmen got caught and they strung him up, killed them all. So actually he got shot with his own rifle, but the other guys got strung up and killed. Um, and that happened in other places too, where the, where the actual lawmen were corrupt. They were part of the, I want to say it was Wyoming or Montana. There was another guy that did that. I would do see and, this um, in the, they do see this in jungle too, right? But in the very beginning when he comes to the, this town and the, the sheriff is, turns out to be the outlaw that he's looking for. Yeah, I th- I think that, you know, you I get think corrupt, that's the case. You get corrupt um law and and um people in power all the time and I think mm-hmm. it's just a matter of what they do. I would imagine most of those guys pulled the strings more than went out and robbed banks, you mm-hmm. know. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like like you see in the old black and whites. Okay, Randy, you go out and rob that bank and bring the money back to me, you know, that kind of thing. Yes, sir. I'll be back before sunset. So, but something I and again I'm I'm taking a lot from media here and I, as a part of we talked about this before recording in Red Dead Redemption Two. You got this group of outlaws with Dutch and Arthur and all the gang, and you see they have such a good chemistry in, in the gang and, and camp, even in campfire life. You don't really play storyline. You see them converse with each other, have parties sometimes, and the gentleman seemed to have a good time. Was it like that if you ha- had an outlaw gang, or was it like they really kind, kind of barely to- tolerated each other, each other, or was what was the camp life like, for in real life or not? But... You know, that's a, that's a, a good question. I, I imagine that there was a brotherhood, just like there was in the Red Dead Redemption game. The only thing that bothered me about the Red Dead Redemption game is it it was like a small village that they had. Mm, yeah, exactly, game. yeah. They had a cook. They had a lady that walked around. I don't know what she did. You could get things fixed for you. I mean, it seemed to make it seem like it was this whole outlaw camp. Um, was there women involved in the in the gang's camp, or was there like, no, just men there? I, I would imagine that, well, uh, Bill Doolin, who had a gang called the Doolin Gang, um, Bill Doolin had two girls that rode along with him called uh, Catalani and Little Britches. And they hung out with the with the outlaw gang. Um, see, that's the problem, too, is you get you get women involved in a gang. Well, somebody wants that woman. Mm. At some point, somebody's going to want that woman. And that woman's going to be a problem because um, there's going to be a fighting over that woman. There's going to be fighting going on. So typically, I think it's probably best to not have women in your gang, you know. Mm. But as far as the camaraderie and the brotherhood, I think that really did happen. It also depends on the gang, you know. I'm sure. Did you ever see the movie Young Guns? Never heard of it. No. Okay, Young Guns uh, was about Billy the Kid. Started Emilio Estevez and Kiefer Sutherland, Lou Diamond Phillips, and a million other people. Um, they they were friends before they became a gang but they weren't really 
you know, back slapping pool shooting buddies. They were, they worked for the same person. So there was some animosity. There was some rivalry going on, but they had a common goal. And the goal was to take out the Murphy Dolan gang for killing their, their boss. Mm. That was their main goal. Yes, um, so I think that when you get into people with a main goal, you you tend to look past some of their differences, you know. Hmm. Speaking of this, and I want to bring up Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption game again. Sure. As, and we see that they have this rivalry. I don't think it was, I don't remember the name of the other gang, but it's this other gang there. And they have this rivalry. Did that happen as well, that there was a rivalry between between other gangs, other gangs? Yeah, sure there probably was. Um, That's something I want to look at when we do the video, um, is some of the, if there was rivalry, because typically it's not like, there were gangs in the West. There were plenty of gangs. Some of these gangs, though, didn't operate in the same region. In fact, most of them didn't operate in the same region. You know, so I think that you probably didn't have gangs bumping into each other in the middle of a heist or something like that. Mm. Um, maybe I'm in kind Texas. of like the Monty Python scene in in Life of Brian where they bump into each other in the tunnel <laughs> with this other roof, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Or did you see the movie um, Maverick? No. <laughs> There's a movie in Maverick. Uh, there was a part in Maverick where they had. Uh, anyway, not not important, but yeah, you get those kinds of things in in movies, and it's funny when you see it. Um, oh, that's not, it wasn't Maverick. It was it was the Apple Dumpling Gang, mm-hmm. and Don Knotts and Tim Conway were trying to rob a bank, and at the same time, his old gang came in to rob the same bank at the same time. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, did that happen in the old west? Doubtful, but it's always possible. <laughs> I know that there were instances where people would rob a bank. Or not a bank, but they'd rob a train, hmm. and then they would throw the next gang off because the gang was going to rob that train, but they couldn't because this other gang robbed it the night before. Yeah. So, um, anyway, is is there was it alone in life to be an outlaw? What did it happen that it was really not kind of a lonely life? Yeah, well, you have to figure you're always on the run, um, and. It's it's you're sleeping outside most of the time. You're looking over your shoulder to see if the bad the good guys are coming after you. I would imagine it's pretty lonely. Yeah, I mean you had a group had a group of people, but still you didn't have any family. You didn't have a host to come back to. You couldn't go back to the host of where your family was, right? Because they probably were looking for you there. Right, right. So what would happen is a lot of these gangs, if they were smart, a lot of these gangs would basically split up right after the heist or the robbery or whatever mm-hmm. it was, they would split up and then they would obviously meet back at a later date. Um, it would be easier for a posse to catch you if you're all in one group. Um, Butch Cassidy uh, used to have horses stationed when he knew he was going to rob a, a bank or a train or whatever. He would have horses stationed at certain places so that the horses wouldn't get tired out. He could, you know, stop, get a fresh horse and then go and get another fresh horse. Mm-hmm. And then he and his gang would either go to the hole in the wall uh, or they would split up. I would imagine a lot of these gangs. Pro- I think, um, I think that's what happened with Jesse James is his gang typically sp- split up. 
Mm. It was smart to do that. But um, anyway, yeah, it's it's got to be a lonely life and a very scary one. Hmm. We talked about women in in the camp before, but did it happen that some outlaws can kind of what 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 would happen if then you met someone right and you said I wanted out? How easy was it really to get out of a gang? Like was it like some gang members today where you I don't know I don't know anything I might be wrong here, but where it's not like let's say you're accused, so you can't really get out of the accuser uh, once they're in. Like I'm done with it. It's like I have a family now. I want. The normal life that the, everyone else has was it easy, easy like that to just get out of the gang life if you well, wanted to? Yes and no. So, so the problem, it, I don't think it was one of those things like the mafia where you can't leave because if you leave, they'll kill you. I don't think it was that scenario. Although in some, I'm sure it was. Probably Jesse James gang, they didn't want you leaving because if you leave, if you left, you would have too much information. So, mm. um, but with some of these others like Jesse Evans gang. If you look at the list of all the people in the Jesse Evans gang and the Kinney gang, six out of the 15 of those guys were never heard from again. They just, they left. When the gang broke up, they dispersed and did the whatever. You must have some stories to tell your kids, though, when you're around the campfire or in the house in the afternoon. Right, right. Or would you? Hmm. You know, that's the question. You want to, you, if, if the Kinney, if the gang you were with was known to be murderers, do you want to tell your kids about that? That you murdered people? Mm, I don't know. True. Do you think they'd really like that? I don't know. It's tough. True. I get people on the channel who comment and they say, hey, my great, great, great grandfather was, you know, um, Jesse James or Billy the Kid or whatever, so Butch Cassidy, whatever. They say these things uh, and they tell me these stories. And uh, sometimes they say, I'm very ashamed. Mm. And I say, well, why would you be ashamed? Well, because he killed innocent people. Okay, well, but the truth is, is he's part of history and he goes down as being a famous outlaw. Mm. So you can be ashamed if you want, but the truth is you have a famous person in your lifeline, in mm. your your uh, your family tree. So a famous outlaw from the old West. So it's something to be, I don't think it's something to be ashamed of. It's all water under the bridge now. But. I mean, we talked about this in the first episode as well. And in the very first episode, it's hard to believe it's two years ago already. Tomorrow, actually, it will be two years since. Oh, and wow. then we're recording this the 16th October, and this will not be out until 1st November when you hear this. But tomorrow, when we record, it will be the first time we're recording that the first episode of this podcast, the seventeenth. So happy anniversary! <laughs> happy anniversary! Well, but we, I don't we have a to, ring. <laughs> I'll email you one. Thank do you, you want diamonds or do you want uh, how many carrots? Um, I don't like carrots. Uh, oh, fair enough. Maybe some celery. Could you send me some broccoli? <laughs> yeah, sure. I Maybe will some do asparagus. That. I, do that. Uh, I really yeah. like asparagus. Makes a bad ring. But anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we talked about how White Earp ended up going into Hollywood movies, but and we talked about how the well, West was really kind of more or less thirty years after the Civil War, right? Yeah. So how how for those who did we have any? We talked a little bit about this earlier, but was there many who we know? Other than White Earp, who kind of lived into the 30s. You mentioned one that lived into the 40s, but was there more that lived into that era, into the 19th, 20th century? So 
Yeah. So, so the old West, a lot of people say it ended in 1899 because they read it in a Wikipedia article or something. But the truth is, and actually when I did the Red Dead Redemption video, a lot of people said, well, it wasn't in the old West because the old West was over by then. Well, it wasn't because. Yeah. It said this in the first episode that that was 1912, really. Yeah. It's closer to 1912. So um, yeah, I don't want to repeat myself. So, uh, but yeah, it's closer to 1912. I mean, if you think about it, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid were probably the last of the really big outlaws. And they uh, they died in 1908, hmm. potentially. Um, later on down the line, you had um, you had some Old West um, outlaws who had, you know, not escaped from prison. They, they, they were released from prison finally after doing and they went right back onto the outlaw trail. In the 1900s. In fact, one of them, I think, I can't remember his name, but one of them, you know, didn't use a horse anymore to rob a bank. He used a car, you know, mm-hmm. Model A Ford or Model T Ford or something. So, um, and and he was killed. But mm-hmm. but so, yeah, I think uh, you you have a, a lot of these people um, like Wyatt Earp who did survive it and Virgil Earp, his brother. Um, some of these people that survived the Old West you know, I think that they had to come up with another way to make a living. Hmm. Um, it wasn't like, oh, it's nineteen twelve, the Wild West is over, let's just pack your bags and go back to normal lives. No, I don't think it was like that. I think it was like, oh boy, you know, there used to not be cars on the street. Now there are. Hmm. Used it's to not be a, a street. A little bit faster than the horse. What's that? They're a little bit faster than the horse. Yeah. Why? Why do I need a horse anymore? The thing poops. Hmm and eats all the time and i have to make sure it's chewed all i have to do is put liquid into this other one why don't i just do that <laughs> thank you so much for coming and it's been a pleasure to have you on to talk more about the wild west and hopefully you'll be back in on episode 200 if that's it yes so. i hope so <laughs> much much um, success to you thank you and uh before you go what do you what why should people of course it should watch but why shouldn't people watch from your verse why should they go to your channel well if you want to learn about the old west history uh it's a good place to do it we also talk about how people like me and some of the other people that i know relive the history today to make it more available to people people who do reenactments or living history or gunfight shows or movies so um and you're working, you're working on one right now, aren't you? Yeah, I just ra- just wrapped with one, yes. Mm-hmm. And As this is a, like, like we said this in the beginning of the episode, this is collaboration with Arizona Ghost Riders, your channel name. So if you want to check out more on this Life of the Outlaws, please check it out. It should be available the first Saturday of, I believe that's when you post videos, of November. Yes, mm-hmm. So Absolutely. I'm looking for very much forward to it, and thank you for coming back again. This has been Redat H2L. We are available on Instagram and Redat H2L. Speaker fans on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and YouTube. And if you have Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a review. That would help us out a lot. Santi, do you want to take us out again, like always? Okay. Thanks for listening. And please like, share, and subscribe. And I'll see you all down the trail. Really, Herman? (laughs) I'll see you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.